your exclusive home for prop sports. Oh, it's good! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Monday host, Larry Dealman. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're listening to another Monday edition of Offsides here on Rowan Radio Channel 2. I'm Larry Dealman, your Monday host of Offsides for this semester, and I am not alone here in the WGLS studios. I have two great members of the sports department. We have Nick Carlson, and joining us on Zoom, we have Nick Jacobus. Gentlemen, welcome aboard. We have much to discuss. We're going to make the show about 45 to 50 minutes today, uh, give or take, but hopefully we will cram as much as we can um, into our we, uh, weekly Offsides podcast. So we'll go in the uh, the usual order that we go in. We'll start with the NFL, our week four reactions. A lot of the games obviously have, have already happened. We still have one today, which we'll talk about. And then we'll talk about the NBA, some preseason action going on. And then if we have time, we'll talk about the Phillies needing only one more win to get a playoff berth. And then we'll hit our top five at the end. I won't say what it is, but we will get there in due time. Okay, so the NFL week one, uh, lots going on. The Eagles got a big win over the Jacksonville Jaguars in a pretty messy game in terms of the uh, the weather conditions. The uh, The rain was a little um, pretty pretty rough out there. It was a... Uh, Really messy, some uh, not too sexy uh, numbers in terms of the box score, but the Eagles rallied from a 14-0 deficit and actually um, played a really nice defensive game. Nick Carlson, I'll go to you first. Oh, my gosh, we have two Nicks. Well, this is going to be interesting. (laughs) Nick Carlson, I'll go to you first. What did you see in the Eagles yesterday? Do you believe that the Eagles are legit, or are you one of the people who are like the Eagles haven't seen a real team yet? I think I'm one of those people who says that the Eagles haven't seen a real team, but at the same time, they've looked so good that it's tough to overpass it. Yep. I think that when you look at who they played, it definitely the question comes to your mind of yeah, they gotta play better competition. Like I'm looking forward to the Packers game that they play, but still the Jaguars were a good team and the Eagles, they're gonna win every sloppy weather game because they can run the ball. They have a great defense and they prove that. I mean, Trevor Lawrence what did he fumble four times? And a pick. And a pick. So I mean five turnovers that they forced. They're a defense that it's going to be really tough to reckon with, and Jalen Hurts has played well. Miles Sanders played well yesterday. Plus, they have weapons like A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, so they have a lot of different ways that they can hit you, and they've proven so far only four weeks in that they're a very good team. Nick Jacobus, I'll go to you. So just looking at some of the other games, uh, some of the big games, actually. So the Baltimore Ravens, I don't know what their defense is doing right now, so... They're, uh, we're obviously four weeks in, and this is the second game this season where they have just blown a humongous lead. The Ravens, uh, let's see what I have here. They blew a 21-point lead against the Dolphins, and then they blew a seven. They gave up 17 unanswered points against Buffalo yesterday. I saw. I was like, oh wow, like the you know the Bills are getting humbled today. And then I, I saw the end of the score. I'm like, oh okay. Uh, Nick Jacobus, what what is Baltimore doing right now? I think it's not so much falling on the players and the team as clearly you have to be a pretty good team to gain a 17-point lead on Buffalo, especially two earlier in the season, the game against Miami. They had that 21-point lead, which they ended up losing to Miami, which both Buffalo and Miami respectively are great teams so far this season. But I think that falls on the coaching decisions. I mean, John Harborough could have easily kicked the field goal, taken the three three-point lead that he went for it Lamar threw the pick and then you know they unravel they end up losing the game I think a lot of the Baltimore issues are falling on the coaching side to where I'm not sure if it's just Harbaugh making the wrong decisions or he's making the right decisions and executing them poorly I'm not too sure what the real problem is aside from definitely the coaching staff right now 
Yeah, some good points there. Obviously, we know that the Ravens, well, Harbaugh especially, has a uh, Super Bowl under his belt. That was – wait, now, okay, now I'm blanking. The the Ravens 49ers, the Harbaugh Bowl, that was the Ravens. Yeah, that was the Ravens. Yeah, and that was like 2012 or something. Yeah, no, I was – yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah I was uh, I was getting confused for a second. Uh, yeah, so some coaching decisions. I did see that Marcus Peters got a little angry uh, with his coach yesterday, so that's something that I, he said it was like emotions running high, so I don't blame him. You know, the Ravens are supposed to be this you know, really elite defense, and they just so far in the season not looking too hot. Uh, and another game I did take note of, I did not watch the whole game, obviously, since it was at 9.30 yesterday morning, but uh, the Saints lost on a double doink to the Vikings. I did watch the end of the game live, and I, I it was pretty hilarious. Um, as an Eagles fan, watching the original double doink against the Bears in the playoffs with Nick Foles, that was, that's, it's the original, it's the OG right there. Uh, but the Saints now are 1-3. The Vikings are now 3-1 and one, uh, for all the people that are saying that the Eagles have not beaten a real team. Yeah, guess who that one loss is to. Uh, and guess what? So that double doink was from 61 yards. If the NFL draft was today, the Eagles would have the fourth overall pick because of that trade with the Saints. Uh, they made the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade, but then they also traded some draft picks too. So the Eagles right now have the best record in football and a top-five pick. So Howie Roseman is a is a genius right now. I will say, uh, I I'm obviously showing a little bit of my bias, but um, it was a pretty interesting game yesterday. the uh, The Vikings did really good. Justin Jefferson looks like he's starting to get back to normal after getting clamped the last few weeks. Uh, but the Saints right now just need to get something going. Obviously, not having uh, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton was in, you know, because because logic um but the saints right now if it wasn't for the falcons choking they could be zero and four so something that's definitely something to watch in the nfc south all right so just looking at a few other games that happened this week we'll talk about uh the dolphins and Tua tonga in just a few moments as its own separate category um the seahawks and the lions somehow combined for 93 points 48-45, the Seahawks won in Detroit. Uh, Geno Smith looking pretty pretty good as the new face of the Seahawks franchise, I guess. Uh, let's see what else we got here. The Falcons beat the Browns. I know Nick Carlson's not too happy because he's a Browns fan. I am so sorry for that. Um, the Cowboys, the NFC East right now is looking pretty legit. Uh, the Eagles are 4-0. Cowboys and Giants are both 3-1. and The Commanders are at rock bottom at 1-3. and And we all thought the AFC West was going to be the division to look out for. Um, Nick Jacobus, I'll go back to you for a second. Do you think the Raiders can get back on track? I'm looking at these box scores. Uh, the Raiders got their first win of the season yesterday, 32-23 over Denver what is going on in the AFC West? Is there really a clear-cut winner or a clear-cut uh, basement dweller or anything like that? I don't think there's anything that's too clear-cut there, except for one thing is that Russ cooking and riding in Denver is not <laughs> working out as anyone thought it would. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, they've just offensively looked like they are inept is the best word to put it, really. is like they, they can't like, – even against the Texans – it was a it was a hard game for them to move the ball. I mean, Russell Wilson finally this week looked kind of like Russell Wilson again, throwing some touchdowns, moving the chains consistently. But the AFC West overall, aside from the Chiefs, who Patrick Mahomes last night put on another one of his historic performances against Tom Brady and the Bucks for that Super Bowl 51, 52 rematch, I believe. But I don't think there's a clear cut winner and loser here. But if I could split the division as teams that I really could see making the playoffs easily, I'd have to put, I think, definitely the Chiefs, but probably the Raiders above the Chargers. I know this is going to sound weird, but the Chargers, you know, Justin Herbert not being fully 100% and still playing, I don't know if I'm really trusting that all too well. But then again, we also haven't seen a fully healthy Chargers team yet. So maybe I can't judge them truthfully, but the Raiders yeah. have just been dealt some terrible losses through the first three weeks, finally getting a win against Arizona yesterday. But I mean, realistically, I think 
it's the Chiefs are going to come out on top again. No surprise there. But I think, again, like last year, it's going to come down to the final two to maybe one game between the Chargers and the Raiders for who makes the playoffs. That's if the Raiders can consistently keep their offense moving because their defense is just such a weak point. Yeah, some good points there. The AFC West not looking too good right now. And just looking at some of these other standings, uh, let's see what we have here. The Falcons are somehow tied with the Buccaneers for the lead in the NFC South. That's interesting. The Vikings and the Packers are tied in the NFC North. We'll get to the NFC West in a few moments. Uh, we'll talk about tonight's uh, Monday Night Football game. Uh, let's see anybody else's surprise right now. The Jaguars and the Titans are tied for the AFC South. Yeah, who would have thought that one? But then again, the Texans uh, are still... Uh, let's, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? In a little bit of limbo right now. So uh, we'll see if some of these things clear up in the coming weeks. And we'll talk about the Monday Night Football in just a few moments. All right, so... One of the more controversial takes this week, or one of the more serious stories, I guess I should say. So the NFL fired the neurotrauma consultant who cleared Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa for uh, this past Thursday's game. Obviously, Tua wasn't looking too good. Last Sunday, he got um, hit pretty hard. He got slammed to the ground, and he was stumbling, and they cleared him for Thursday. He got hit again really hard. And then his, uh, it was kind of gruesome to look at on TV. His fingers were locked. Um, it wasn't him. It was his body's reaction to the head trauma that he was taking. Uh, he went to the hospital and was released, and he says he's he's in good spirits now. Uh, Nick Carlson, I'll go to you. What do you think the NFL should do to avoid more instances of this, like with this medical malpractice? I mean, Anybody who's anybody, I was like on Twitter and people kept saying, I'm not a doctor, but even I can see that something was really wrong with him. So how did how did this like slip through the cracks and what can they do to avoid more malpractice? It's a confusing situation, especially because we don't know what happened behind closed doors. But what I do know is that there's not just one doctor who's clearing him. I'm pretty sure that there's three who he has to get past. Okay. So that means that all three of them had to have cleared him. And if they all were like, hey, listen, he has a concussion, but we got to win this game against the Bills. Let's send him out. Then okay. But for the most part, if you're the NFL, I would have your own personal reps in there, not the team ones, because you can have the team doctor say, hey, we got to win this big game. Like if you got a concussion in the Super Bowl and you have that opportunity to send him back out, the player's going to want to go back out. They'll right, take the head right. injury for the next couple months as long as they win the Super Bowl. I think that for the most part, the NFL has to step in. I know they're investigating right now. For the most part, though, Tua didn't look good during the Bills game when he came off wobbling, and then he definitely didn't look good during the Bengals game. I don't know how long it's even going to be before he comes back, but the NFL has to step in and get some of their own people inside of those organizations. Yeah, it just it's a really bad situation right now for the – uh, the NFL and obviously these uh, medical staffs. Uh, the doctor that was just dismissed, uh, he was dismissed hours before the players' union and the NFL announced that changes will be made to the concussion protocol. So obviously this person is out. And apparently, so I, um, it's just, it's a really weird situation. I saw actually on Instagram, uh, Mike McDaniel, uh, Miami's head coach, said that Tua would be out for their game this week against the Jets. And I was like, really? I was like, wow, I didn't know that. I was thinking, I'm like, this should be, he should be out for the year. You know, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I don't care that we're 3-1. and one. Is Tua going to be okay for the foreseeable future? Is he going to set the team back? So I don't know why they're trying to, like, rush him again. It's like, when your, te- when your player has to go to the hospital, this isn't like throw a Band-Aid on it, okay, you know, your boo-boo's all better, go back on the field. This is a, a serious, like, life-threatening or, you know, career-altering injury. So I don't know what they were thinking or how they're going to even think about rushing him back in the near future. Well, they don't something? They don't really have to rush him back right now, and they haven't put him on no. IR because I looked at their, the Dolphins' next schedule, and they yeah. play, they're going to play the Jets, the Steelers, the Bears, the Texans, and then later on, when you get to about November, yeah. when Tua might come back, that's when they face their toughest stretch. It's the Browns, the Packers, the Bills, the uh, the Chargers, the 49ers. It's teams who are going to be playoff contenders. Yeah. That's when they're going to need Tua. 
Next three games at Jets versus Vikings and versus Steelers. Very winnable yeah. games. Honestly, the Vikings might be the only tough one there, but um, I see no reason why to bring Tua back or um, risk any more head injuries because, you know, again, this isn't like, oh, he bruised his elbow falling to the ground. I mean, a head injury is, you know, one of the more serious injuries that you can get. So uh, we hope Tua can get better and uh, see him back on the field as soon as possible, um, whether that be a few months or maybe even next year to entirely. All right, so we are going to head to break really quick, and then we'll get to our Monday night football preview. Uh, it's the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers tonight. Uh, we'll get into that in just a few moments. But first, let's look at the WGLS campus calendar. Rowan University's Wellness Center at Winans Hall provides students with quality medical, mental health, and substance abuse services. They also educate students about making healthy choices. The Wellness Center offers integrated health care and 24-7 emergency care through EMS and on-call counseling. For more information about the Wellness Center, students can visit the website rowan.edu wellness or call 856-256-4333. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for campus news and information. We'll be right back after these messages. WGLS programming is made possible in part by Barnes & Noble, the official bookstore for Rowan University. Located at 201 Rowan Boulevard, Barnes & Noble is your number one choice for profs gear as well as a wide assortment of gifts, accessories, and sportswear. The bookstore is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday from 10 to 6, and Sunday, 10 until 6 p.m. The Starbucks Cafe opens 8 a.m. Monday through Friday and at 10 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. For more information, their website is rowanbookstore.bncollege.com. The Barnes & Noble Bookstore is proud to be a supporter of Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're listening to another Monday edition of Offsides here on Rowan Radio Channel 2. I'm Larry Dealman, your Monday host for this semester, and joining me, I have Nick Carlson and Nick Jacobus. So we are wrapping up our NFL segment for today, uh, Monday Night Football, Rams at 49ers. A Rams win would give them sole possession of the NFC West. A 49ers win would make every NFC West team at 2-2. Two two. So some interesting, uh, standing, um, interesting things for the standings right now. And this is an interesting game for Jimmy Garoppolo after last week's uh, not-so-great performance, stepping out of the back of the end zone um, against the Broncos. So we're seeing if that happens tonight. Uh, Nick Carlson, I'll go to you. The last time these two saw each other was the NFC Championship game, which was back on January 30th. The score was 20-17 to in favor of the Rams. The 49ers have swept the Rams the last few years, and um, this could be a, a pretty good battle, but what say you? Yeah, I'm expecting it to be a good game. The Rams and Niners, are they're always a tight game. It seems like Kyle Shanahan just always has Sean McVay's number. I think that this season, though, the Rams have looked a little sloppy, spending, especially for the defending Super Bowl champions. I mean, just so far, they lost to the Bills 31-10. They really didn't do that much in that game. And then the Falcons-Rams game, I mean, they blew a lead and had a shot to lose that game. Also, the Cardinals haven't looked that well so far. So just three weeks in, Stafford really hasn't proven enough. And all we've seen so far is just Aaron Donald is still Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup is still Cooper Cup, and there's no regression for either of them. That's a good thing for the Rams. Cooper Cup and uh, Aaron Donald staying at the top of their games. I, I could see this maybe going either way if the Rams want to really get back on track. Uh, the 49ers, though, like you said, uh, have the Rams number over the past bunch of years. It'd be interesting if everybody was 2-2 two and two in that division. But again, with, with the NFC West, we're expecting we, – we have high expectations. I mean – the Seahawks are two and two, and everybody had them going like one and sixteen. So, I mean, that's still possible, I guess. But you know, the Seahawks are two and two. The Cardinals are two and two, 
And the 49ers and the Rams right now, again, to be determined. And actually right now, here's the, okay, here's something that I just saw. I'm looking at the, the standings. In the NFC West, every team except the 49ers have um, given up more points than scored points, and yet the 49ers are in fourth place. Yeah. Well, did you see the stat with Geno Smith compared to Russell Wilson? Yes, I did. Yeah. So he's out, apparently outperforming Russell yeah. Wilson. So uh, Seahawk country, let's ride, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the new phrase going around. Uh, Nick Jacobus, I'll go to you. What are your expectations for tonight's Monday night football game? Uh, maybe if you have a winner in mind um, or what you're expecting to see from one of the offense, defense, coaches, etc. Well... I will say the last time I was on this show, I did predict the Seahawks to win that Monday night game against the Broncos. You all called me crazy. The hot didn't look so hot. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I think the Niners are going to win this. They've won the last six straight matchups between the two. As we mentioned earlier, the Rams have looked sloppy. They don't look clean. And I think that has to do with Matt Stafford's arm. Yeah. The one thing that the Niners are good at is defense. And I think this game is probably going to be really low scoring, defensive, 20 to 17, maybe 21 20 with a mixed, missed extra point. But overall, I think this is the Niners game to lose rather than the Rams game to lose. I just think that the Niners, six straight wins. They're hungry off that NFC East or the NFC championship game loss. I think this is all for the Niners tonight. All right. He's going with the Niners. I'd say I, I'd probably put the 49ers up there as well. Nick Carlson nodding his head. Yes. So yeah, I, th- I agree with that. Uh, I think we're going with San Fran. We'll see what happens. Maybe can the Rams uh, turn their luck around with the 49ers. All right. So let's move on to our NBA segment. Um, we will see the NFL segment next week, so don't worry about that. NBA, so the preseason is pretty much underway. We've seen some, actually, we've seen some international games or international opponents. We'll get to that in a few minutes um, regarding the Phoenix Suns. But for right now, the 76ers have a date with the Brooklyn Nets tonight in Brooklyn. Uh, and a former Sixer is playing tonight. Ben Simmons will play f- and make his debut for the Nets I don't think it was looking like Embiid and Harden might not play. I really don't want them to play, or I want to play like maybe like two minutes, and that's about it. But Ben Simmons looking to hit the court tonight. Did not play at all last year. The Nets got swept by Boston in the first round, and obviously they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with him. And the Nets just have not made the conference finals in the last few years. Nick Carlson, I'll go to you. Do you think Ben Simmons will live up to the hype with his new squad, or is this a recipe for disaster? I, I mean, really, what hype is there? It's more of just oh, like yeah. if you're the 76ers, it's just like, all right, we got rid of him. That's what you're excited about. But I feel like Simmons, he's a very defensive player. I mean, all he has to do is just do his job. He's on a team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, two exceptional scorers. I think I'm more excited for it to be back in Philly rather than Brooklyn. I feel like that'd be fun to watch. Yeah, right? I know, I know. Well, I think, I don't know when that game is. It shouldn't be too far in the yeah. season again. I mean, last year we didn't know this was going to happen, so it was like in March when yeah. you know when he was traded. But we'll we'll definitely see what happens there. Nick Jacobus, I'll go to you. Uh, your quick thoughts uh, about Ben Simmons making his debut with the Brooklyn Nets. Man, that is so weird to say. But Ben Simmons making his debut with the Nets tonight. Is this a recipe for disaster? Or are you a little more optimistic and he will live up to the hype? Well, I think I got to build off exactly what Nick said because I think he read my mind. He doesn't have to do what he was asked to do in Philly to where he had to be kind of a team leader, one of the top two guys to go to. He's a defensive in-the-paint specialist, so I seriously think it's just going to fall on him distributing the ball offensively to Kyrie or Durant or their other shooters like Claxton. But defensively, I think that's where the quote-unquote hype is going to be lived up to, maybe a little underneath it, because he's a really quality defender. I mean, he's he's been... Uh, an all-star before and I think that's really on his defensive prowess so truthfully I don't think it's going to be a disaster but I don't know if he's going to make them a a championship 
caliber team, but they definitely should make the playoffs this year. Yeah, some good points there uh, from Nick Jacobus. Yeah, I think it was just so difficult to rally around Ben Simmons when he was on the Sixers. You know, just continual second-round exits, and he just didn't seem like he wanted to get any better. That's the problem I think most Philly fans have with him is just he doesn't seem like he wants to get better and get those reps in the gym, even though he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast about a week or so ago saying, like, oh, I'll shoot, like, 23s a game or blah, 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 and we see the workout videos uh, in the summertime, and it's like, the, I, I saw the Brooklyn media was like, oh, Ben Simmons is shooting threes, and I'm like, guys, we do this every single year, stop. Like, you're just going to drive yourself crazy, and then, you know, don't come crying to us when he doesn't turn out the way he's supposed to. So, we'll see. I think Ben Simmons should do pretty good with the Nets, hopefully not when he's playing the Sixers, but... Um, we'll see what happens with Ben Simmons making his debut tonight. And speaking of the Brooklyn Nets, I guess this is kind of like a 1A, 1B kind of story. So Kevin Durant is ready to move past the trade request that he made back in June. That was on June 30th, and he rescinded his request on August 24th. So he said that he wanted just to stop talking about it, and he's talked with Nets management, and everything's all good to go. Uh, Nick Jacobus, I'll swing it back to you. How far do you think Brooklyn has to go in the playoffs for KD to be happy with the team's progress and hopefully maybe not make another trade request because it got heated over the summer with, you know, I want to go either to the Suns or or the Heat. Um, So what's kind of like the threshold that the Nets have to get to in order for KD to be happy? Well... First off, not getting swept by the eventual Eastern Conference champions would be a good start. But yeah. all jokes aside, I think they have to make it to that Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, he's at that age now to where he realistically is only looking to win that big game. It's not going to be, you know, building upon last year, you know, going to the second round and making it a six, seven game series, but inevitably losing. He wants to make it to the big time games. And I think that's why he made the trade request to show that he's not afraid to speak his mind to get out of Brooklyn because they haven't really been able to do everything. I mean, they had that super team with him, Kyrie, Harden. They even had Blake Griffin coming back for that miraculous season. They never got anywhere in the playoffs there. Then, of course, last year they got swept by the inevitable Eastern Conference champion Boston Celtics. I mean, they didn't look terrible, though, in that series last year. They just couldn't really defensively keep up and keep the scores to where – they could actually have their shooters be primed to take advantage of the lead. Rather, they always were climbing back and shooting nonstop. So I think they really have to either make it to the finals or at least the Eastern Conference finals for him to be happy to stay with Brooklyn. Otherwise, I wouldn't be surprised if KD does KD things, takes to Twitter, and he wants to take his talent elsewhere. Is he going to use a burner account for that? Oh, most definitely. That's very KD of him. All right, Nick Jacobus with some uh, good analysis there. I agree. I don't think Kevin Durant uh, is ready to just say, all right, we're making little progress, you know, little by little, and we'll make the second round this year. The next year, no, 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 no. He's 34 years old. He don't got that much time as an elite player. I'm not saying that he's almost done. I'm saying as an elite player, he doesn't have that much time left. So Kevin Durant, it's it's now or never. We know that he has um, the two rings with the Warriors. Whether or not you think those count, um, that is your own opinion. Um, and those were with the Warriors 2017 and 2018, I believe. So Kevin Durant, they just they have to make the Eastern Conference Finals. There's, there's no excuse. Harden is gone. Simmons is healthy. Kyrie is still Kyrie. And we'll see if Steve Nash is – we'll see if he's even – a good head coach because you can't be handed this kind of talent and just flame out in the first round, second round. It's the same thing with, you know, Doc Rivers. I mean, I want Doc Rivers gone, but, you know, that's just that's just me. But with going back to Steve Nash, you can't have, you know, two Hall of Famers and one wannabe Hall of Famer and expect to just flame out every single year. So, Hopefully, Kevin Durant um, 
is happy with what he sees, and the Nets can finally get back on track. And then our final story in our NBA segment uh, before we go to our next break. So going back to what I said at the start of this segment with the uh, preseason games starting, there are some international games and opponents that we've seen. So the Warriors and I believe the Wizards went over to Tokyo and they were playing in Japan. Uh, I have seen on Instagram, I do follow Trey Young on Instagram, and the Hawks are currently in um, the United Arab Emirates playing over there. And then the Phoenix Suns yesterday were playing at home in Phoenix to the Adelaide 36ers. They are from the NBL. It's an Australian league. Uh, and these the 36ers won the game. The final score was 134 to 124. Um, Phoenix was favored by 29 and a half points, and they lost. Oh my! So Nick Carlson, I'll go to you. Uh, the 36ers backcourt absolutely torched the Suns yesterday. Obviously, Phoenix is coming off that um, Luka Doncic destruction in Game Seven. What does this panic time for the Suns? I mean, with the DeAndre Ayton. Uh, he almost got sent to the Pacers because he signed a restricted uh, free agent offer. Is it panic time in Phoenix? I don't know if it's panic time in Phoenix, especially I doubt that they were really heavily trying. I mean, they were favored by 30 points. An Australia team comes over. I feel like it was just kind of like a fun, hey, let's get back into a game. But DeAndre Ayton, he does not want to be there. You saw no. it in the post-conference. I feel like all the other stuff that they're having with their organization kind of behind closed doors. You also look at... Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul, he choked against Luka Doncic. Uh, this is the Mavericks. Basically, the one, I guess you could say one-player team in the Mavericks in Luka just single-handedly beat the Suns. So I, I feel like the Suns, they're going to have a good record. They're going to win a lot of games, but when it's crunch time, I don't know if they're going to perform. Some good points there. The Suns, they had 64 wins last year and 18 losses, and in the Western Conference semifinals, Luka Doncic and the one-man Mavericks band absolutely obliterated them in Phoenix. It was, I've said this multiple times on offsides, it was hilarious to watch. I was laughing a little bit watching Luka just drop defenders and scoring at will. Nick Carlson, you have a question. I just want to say I just got breaking news from Ian Rappaport that uh, Mitch Trubisky is going to be probably done for the rest of the season. Kenny Pickett's coming in for the remainder of the year. So. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the Suns uh, finishing up this. Um, like Nick said, this was probably just like a fun little, hey, let's get back into the groove kind of thing. I, I don't think anybody really had the 36ers winning this game. Uh, just looking at some of the stats here, Robert Franks and Craig Randall combined for 67 points. Uh, let's see what else. Chris Paul is 37 years old now in his third year with the Suns. Uh, Adelaide, by the way, they finished seventh out of ten teams last year with a 10 and 18 record. That's uh, not good. The Suns are the first team to lose a preseason game against a non-NBA opponent since 2016. I believe it was the Thunder against Real Madrid. Uh, Nick Jacobus, I'll go to you. Your final thoughts. The Suns losing to the 36ers. Is this panic time for the Suns losing to a international opponent? Or was this just getting their feet wet? You know, the whole DeAndre Ayton thing and uh, Chris Paul's getting old. And uh, what's your take on all that? I do think that this is maybe not the full panic button, but you got to hit not the big red button, but maybe like the slightly yellow button to the next. I mean, okay. You, you have to think that Chris Paul, when they went up two nothing against Milwaukee in the finals two years ago, he thought I'm playing two more games, maybe three or four max, and I'm retiring with my ring and I'm off into the sunset. Oh, that's it's true. Now year three after having the best record in the NBA. And like you said, seeing Luca spin his magic wand on them <laughs> and just absolutely decimate their season. Now that you have this big thing about is Devin Booker legit, you know, Chris Paul's old, the DeAndre Ayton almost leaving, you have to sit here and you have to think, is this team mentally capable of going all the way and winning a championship now? And I don't think it's that way. I mean, 
yeah, it's just a preseason game, but I mean, like small things like that really affect a roster, especially a basketball roster where it's so small and tight knit. And, you know, it just sets the mood for the season. I feel maybe not all preseason wins and losses matter, but something like this is a little no, like you have to keep your like eye on that because this isn't just something small. It's something small that can turn into something disastrously big. Yeah, some good points there. And as a Sixers fan, we saw this last year with the Ben Simmons drama. He was sitting out and, you know, he had to keep forfeiting his uh, contract. And then there was the whole legal thing with um, they were trying to, I guess, put him back into the games when he wasn't mentally ready. And Embiid and all the players were just tired of uh, Ben Simmons and, and then they finally traded him and obviously were bounced in the second round again. But now it looks like that they're ready to go. They have some uh, tough players, and they seem like they have a lot of chemistry. I saw a tweet or an Instagram, whatever, and it was like Embiid and Maxi and Niang and all of them were playing like Call of Duty and FIFA or something for hours. So there's chemistry there, but with the Suns, you know, with the DeAndre Ayton, you know he he wants to be in Indiana right now. I mean, the Pacers are garbage right now, but um, he he wants to be there. You know he does. And the, I think Nick Carlson brought it up with the press conferences. He you know they're asking him like, oh, you know how you feeling or you know what's new, and he's like, you know, I'm here. And I was like, oh, boy. That's I feel good. like that's pretty telling, too, because you want to be in Indiana who does not have a good team at no. all rather than be in Phoenix with a potential title-winning team. And Monty Williams is a good coach. Yeah. Apparently the whole drama stemmed from that Game 7 Luka Doncic uh, massacre where uh, he, uh, Monty Williams was like telling DeAndre, go back in the game, and he was like, nah, I'm good. And Monty's like, all right. And then after the game they were like, Okay, what was what was the deal with that? And he's like, it's internal, and I'm like, oh, that does not sound good. So the Suns lost to the Adelaide 36ers of the Australian League yesterday. Uh, maybe not time to hit the full panic button, but like Nate Jacobus said, the yellow panic button might be a good start. All right, so we're gonna take our next break. Uh, then we'll get into the MLB very briefly. We'll talk about the Phillies. Oh boy. All right, so let's check the WGLS community calendar. Do you want to get involved, but you just don't know where to start? You can find out about numerous volunteering opportunities in Camden County by giving the Volunteer Center of Camden County a call at 856-663-9356. The experience of a lifetime could be just a simple phone call away. This community calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for community news and information. We'll be right back after these messages. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar. Located at 900 Delcy Drive in Glassboro, Italian Affair offers traditional Italian cuisine in multiple dining areas, including an outdoor patio. Established in 1988, Italian Affair also provides catering and private party options. For more information, the phone number is 856-881-2121 and the website is italianaffairglassboro.com. Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar is proud to support the programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're tuned in to another Monday edition of Offsides here on Rowan Radio Channel 2. I'm Larry Dealman, your Monday host this semester, and I have Nick Carlson and Nick Jacobus joining me today. So we got done with our NFL segment and our NBA segment, and now we will touch briefly on the MLB and the Philadelphia Phillies. So now... At 83, I'm sorry, 86 and 73, the Phillies' magic number is down to one. Yes, one. Both the Phillies and the Brewers are looking pretty horrendous as the postseason draws near. I've been seeing uh, on Twitter the last few days, oh, Phillies lose to the Nationals. What are they doing? Oh, but the Brewers are choking to the Marlins. And, you know, apparently the Phillies' Twitter account right now is uh, like the My- Miami Marlins stan account, which I found pretty hilarious. Uh, and the Marlins are, 
like tweeting, are we besties now with the Phillies, who are a division rival? So uh, a lot of things going on between the Phillies and the Brewers fighting for that final wild card spot. Let's see what I have here in my notes. So the Phillies are at the Astros, the 104 and 55 Astros tonight at 810. Um, those are the final three games of the regular season, while the Brewers are starting a three-game home series against the Diamondbacks. And right now, if the Phillies were to clinch, they would face the Cardinals in the wild card. Nick Carlson, I'll go to you first. Do the Phillies even deserve to be in the playoffs? I mean, well, neither do the Brewers. So I feel like it's a toss-up between the two of them. I feel like that the Phillies right now are probably just a tad better of a team. They've played well throughout the season. I think that whoever they play, I mean, the Cardinals, if they run into the Padres, the Mets, I feel like they're going to struggle, especially with kind of the cold streak that they're on. I, as a Mets fan, hope that the Mets play the Phillies in the wild card. <laughs> but other than that, I feel like the Phillies are going to have kind of a tough time getting through the wild card and into the postseason. Yeah, some good points there by Nick Carlson. Obviously, the Mets have uh, taken a nice little uh, choke yeah, recently. Yeah. <laughs> the Braves have gone on an unreal winning streak, and the Mets have kind of gone in the opposite direction. So I'm just looking at MLB.com with the wild card standings. So... Right now, the division leaders in the NL are the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Cardinals. The wildcard teams right now are the Mets, the Padres, and the Phillies. And in the AL, the division leaders are the Astros, Yankees, and the Guardians. And the wildcard teams are the Blue Jays, uh, the Crack. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say the Kraken. Uh, the Mariners. Whoa, okay. We're not talking about hockey right now. The uh, the Mariners and the Tampa Bay Rays. That's if, I guess, the playoffs started like right now, right now. But we still have a few games, obviously, to get through. Nick Jacobus, uh, your final thoughts. Do the Phillies even deserve to be in the playoffs? Regardless of record and winning and losing streaks and all of that, as like we've seen the Phillies just take a nosedive right now, do the Phillies even deserve to be in the playoffs? And let's say they face the Cardinals in the first round. Are they getting spanked, or is this going to be a close series? To answer your first question, Larry, I really don't think they deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, they've just been they've been at that one one and a half games like above for the past week and a half two week stretch and they're just hanging their claws on ever so tightly to try and make the playoffs listen i personally believe in you know late season turnarounds like the braves to where like yeah you deserve to make make your wrongs right and be able to go to the playoffs and win but i don't think the phillies really deserve that this year and then if they do end up making it to the playoffs first congratulations i believe that's an 11 year playoff drought yep. that's snapped so that's at least nice but i don't think that they have what it takes to beat the cardinals i'm not saying the cardinals are world beaters but i just don't think the phillies have anything that belongs in the playoffs or if they end up making the playoffs anything that's gonna be there for long yeah some good points there and it's like the mariners just snap their long streak of postseason um what's the word futility there we go that's what i was looking for um so hopefully the phillies can kind of uh, take a page out of the mariners playbook and uh at least win i think at least one win if they get it tonight then you know they're in but uh if they can at least win something in the next maybe uh two games that'd be great don't wait until the last minute or tiebreakers and all that just get the win and just get into the playoffs all right, so now we're going to switch to our top five. But first, Nene, you thought I forgot. Wake up with Rowan Radio for the early bird special. Every weekday starting at 7 a.m., our hosts will help you get through your morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways, plus news, weather, traffic, and, of course, the music that matters. Start your day off right with the early bird special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m., only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, and also online at rowanradio.com. All right, make sure you uh, make sure you get to the early birds special. So now we go to our top five. Kept everybody in suspense for long enough, but I felt like we're going to go back to the NBA for our top five today as the preseason is pretty underway, 
and we just made fun of the Suns a few moments ago, and Ben Simmons is going to be back. So here we go. Name your top five NBA title favorites. Pretty self-explanatory. Nothing too too crazy this time. Uh, Nick Jacobus, I'll start with you. If you want to go one to five, five to one, no order. If you have an honorable mention, hit it. So in no particular order, okay. I would definitely have to put in my top five the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, with Giannis, you get Chris Middleton back. I drew Holiday. That's a very, very solid team, guaranteed to make the playoffs. And I, you can say that about a decent amount of teams in the NBA, but they're one of the best up there. Number two, I'm going to put the Philadelphia 76ers because, I mean, if there's if it's a year for them, it's that this year, in my personal opinion. I think it's a do or die a little bit. I think this is the year that you see did the process actually work out or not. Uh, number three... Uh, maybe surprise to you guys, but I have the Clippers. I okay. think Kawhi shouldn't be ca- just called out. I mean, like, yeah, they've been quiet these past couple years, but I'm telling you, I think the Clippers can make some noise in the West this year. Then after them, I have the Grizzlies, young, young up and coming team. Why can't they? Why can't they at least make the playoffs? I mean, they're definitely going to make the playoffs, excuse me. Why can't they make it to the finals this year? Mm-hmm. I think John Morant's exceptional. Desmond Bain's great. Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, they bolstered up with three picks in the first round in the draft this past uh, offseason. So I don't know why they wouldn't be at least kind of good odds to make the finals, if not the Western Conference finals this year. And then my last team is obviously the Boston Celtics. I mean... Even though they lose their head coach for the season, you can't take away talent on the hardwood, and that team is loaded with young talent. I think that they are they have pretty good odds to make it to the finals, but it's going to be a very tough road for them. An interesting list from Nick Jacobus. I will say um, two of the ones that I, were interesting. The Celtics, uh, obviously we've said this on offsides a few times about uh, head coach Ime Udoka being suspended for the uh, upcoming 2022-23 season um, with the um, sexual harassment, um, I wouldn't say case, but the allegations against him. So he is gone for the season. Uh, I think their head coach is like 34 years old now, the interim, which is interesting. Like I think Al Horford's older than him, which is interesting. But the Celtics, like you said, you know, you can't take away talent. Uh, I don't know if they'll maybe go all the way this year, but they're definitely up there. And the Grizzlies, that is a team I did not even consider. I know they got bounced last year in the second round uh, to the eventual champion Warriors, uh, but we'll see. I think the Grizzlies, good choice there. Nick Carlson, 5-1, to 1-5, one, one to five, no order, honorable mention if you have one, go. So I have a lot of the same teams that Nick has. Uh, the Celtics were definitely one that sticks out. I don't really have a set order, but I completely agree. They did lose their head coach, but... They're just loaded with talent. I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they've looked fantastic throughout their whole entire career. I'd expect if they're going to win, it's going to be within these next year or two, just based on the roster that they have. Right. Uh, one that, Nick, I don't think he said, uh, I like the Warriors. I mean, yep. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they get Wiseman back. They won, they won it last year, and they have a great team. So I feel like... They would come out of the West. I feel like also you got another team like the Clippers. Kawhi comes back. You got Paul George, a very good team. And also, I feel like the Suns should just get like a voluntary here. Just you're up there to possibly win it just based off their roster. Devin Booker's very good. Aiton's good and Chris Paul is good. If they were going to win it, I I mean, they lost to the 36ers. So I don't don't know (laughs) if they could really get there. Um, And I think another one, uh, the Grizzlies were very good. Uh, John Morant looked fantastic. Dylan Brooks looked fantastic. And they're a very young team. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but they could definitely make a run. I I feel like the Cavs are another team like that, but definitely the Grizzlies, a very good team. I kind of forgot about James Wiseman, to be quite honest with you. Uh, They really have not needed him. It's not like, oh, their center is, you know, a glaring hole. Like you have, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking right now on his name. Um, their center right now. Um, number five, I think he is. Anybody help me out? I'm, oh my gosh, I'm. 
I genuinely thought of Jordan Poole, but that's not no, 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 no. Okay, now I got to look this up because I'm gonna forget about it. Let's see, let's see who Andrew Bogut. Nah, Kevon Looney. That's it. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, he put up some quality minutes uh, in their playoff run this year. So, you know, the Warriors. You got Jordan Poole, Draymond. I've heard. You know, does he want to leave and get more money? I don't know if he'll. He's not a number one or a number two guy, so... I wouldn't say he's a number three, really. I mean... <laughs> he's a good number four. Yeah. Let's put it there. He's definitely not below five. Let's put it there. Uh, but the Warriors, uh, good pick. All right, so I'll wrap things up as we are getting toward the end of our time for today. Our uh, My honorable mention, I will put the L.A. Lakers. Russell Westbrook uh, in year two after that disastrous... Start apparently they were pretty close to trading him to the Pacers, but it didn't work out. Russell Westbrook trying to mesh uh, with his teammates and Darvin Ham, their new head coach. So I will go in order from five to one. Number five, as um, Nick Jacobus said, I have the L.A. Clippers. I feel like Kawhi and Paul George. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, a seventy-win squad right off the bat, but they they definitely have the power. They got John Wall. Um, with Ty Lue as the coach, so definitely a good defensive team. Number four, I'll go with the Nets. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that's not a play-in team. You know, now that they're healthy, I feel like they can get back on track. The East is going to be a really competitive um, conference, so I'll have the Nets. Number three with the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton are really good, obviously. Chris Middleton, I think, is going to miss the start of the season due to injury. But hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. Number two, I'll put the Sixers. Even though I want to put them in number one, I'll put them in number two because you have Embiid and Harden and Tucker and Melton and uh, a lot of other. Oh, Tobias Harris. What am I doing? Uh, and Maxi. So a lot of good players this year. Hopefully Doc Rivers doesn't screw things up. And number one, the champions, the Golden State Warriors. Um, they are just so talented, so loaded. I don't care if they're like 30-something years old. It's Steph Curry. Don't bet against him, usually. Uh, but he finally got his finals MVP, so maybe we'll see another great season from the Warriors. All right, so that's going to do it here for Offsides. I'd like to thank Nick Carlson and Nick Jacobus for joining me today. Gentlemen, you're welcome back anytime that you please. Uh, we'll be back next Monday, which is the 10th. And remember, uh, during the semester, we also have Offsides Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm your host on Mondays. Aaron Hook on Wednesdays, and Danny Ryan on Fridays. So make sure you stay up to date on your sports content. For everybody here at Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, I'm Larry Dealman. Have a good night. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.